0: Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: Time to play with pain. Hosted by Emmy-winning comedian and writer, Jeff Cesario. Interviewing guests from comedy, entertainment, and sports. Plus, legendary sportscaster, Chet Waterhouse. Don't worry, this shouldn't take longer than your average trip to Costco. And now, here's your host, Jeff Cesario. Well, look at us. Another episode, Play With Pain. My guest uh, is maybe uh, enjoying... Uh, the emptiness, m- more than anyone I've ever, uh, <laughs> I've ever encountered. <laughs> Greg Fitzsimmons is with us today, hilarious and uh, a, a time fool. Now he has time to burn. Is this correct, Greg?
0: It was, and now <laughs> summer's here, and both both the little birds have flown back into the nest. <laughs> And there's no um, there's no sense that they've progressed as independent (laughs) human beings while they were gone. Like I know when they were living in college, both in apartments, that they were capable of doing a dish or cooking a meal. Right. And and they come home again and they are little. And then the the head goes back and the mouth goes open like a baby bird waiting to be fed.
1: Wow. Wow. It's uh... (laughs) yeah, there is. uh... A time loop in um, in uh, evolution that we're only seeing now, and this is it. There's a regression, and this is the first sign of it. That that h- humans can possibly lose their evolutionary
0: gains. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I'm starting to stoop a little bit. I'm wondering, am I losing my uh, erectus status? <laughs>
1: Uh no that's well yeah but that's to be expected among guys like us you, you yeah. know we we can't um look we're standing still uh, we're we're bipedal I believe the phrase is that's a huge advantage still oh yeah. yeah yeah
0: um but if we were de evolving the hair would be growing and not falling out also.
1: oh that's true but listen it beats getting wheeled around by uh two nurses who are talking about their fantasy football teams as if you don't even exist. <laughs> All right. Hang on. Chet, do you happen to have an update for us? Does the cartel tunnel have a backup generator? You bet I got an update. Tab of the Waterhouse update sponsored by Kraprika. If you just want your deviled eggs to look tasty, try Kraprika. America's pastime. Nah, not nah, staring at Elon Musk's alabaster chest. Baseball. Why Washington outfielder wants Toto trade rumors. Yankees will give him their entire pitching staff plus dear Evan Hansen tickets. Detroit will make him the CEO of Chrysler. The Dodgers will give him a billion dollars and somehow Russell Westbrook. And finally, Cincinnati is so far behind in the standings. George Foster is their home run leader. That wrap-up sponsored by Nutsacks, a perfect serving of nuts in a pocket-sized sack. That's nutsack. NFL, for the first time ever, the Chicago Bears will wear orange helmets, said coach Matt Eberfluss. Oh, God, am I really the coach of the Chicago Bears? Packers Aaron Rodgers said he would attend voluntary workouts this season, except when it conflicts. With his Gregorian chanting class, that item sponsored by Lotions Eleven, the smoothest, most radiant heist gang ever. NASCAR M and M's Four Hundred. Chase Elliott wins after Denny Hamlin, uh, his car fails a post-race inspection. They found Reese's Pieces in it. Oh, you can't do that at the M&M's Four. And finally, this week kids' sports history, the year 1908, the place. London, England, American Johnny Hayes wins the Olympic marathon when Italy's Durando Pietri is disqualified for getting assistance before the finish line. In Pietri's defense, it was only his footman trying to help him put on a salmon cardigan which everyone felt went better with his skin tone. This waterhouse update is sponsored by Jehovah's Witness Protection. Disappear into the warm grip of the Lord at Jehovah's Witness Protection. Back to you, Jeff and Greg. Wow, thank you, Chet. That was
0: Jehovah's Witness Protection. I like it. I like it. Yeah, why not? Yeah. It was, um, when I was writing. I was. I had to put a writing sample together for SNL. Didn't get the job, but I did have a good joke on my uh, samples. Uh, there was This was a true story. Uh, a jet, it was a military jet, crashed in Texas and killed uh, a group of Jehovah's Witnesses. And my punchline was, after the accident, there were no witnesses.
1: <laughs> you got you have to exercise that muscle no matter how tragic um but yeah that can you because you, you're hitting the road you're working do you even bother with topical stuff right now with political stuff or is it just not worth it uh, or, or is there ways to get into it
0: how I do you go like in and out of it like i just always feel like if i think of something funny i'm gonna do it Right. Yeah, an, you just proved that. <laughs> if it, right. <laughs> if it's political, I might do it. Like right now, I've probably got six or seven minutes of abortion jokes just because I think it's funny to do jokes about abortion. Um, <laughs> but I don't do Trump jokes because I don't find them funny. Like I don't find him funny. Right. I don't find the situation funny. Uh, abortion is funny because it is, it is so, it, it, 75% of Americans believe that women should have a right to choose and yet it's being made illegal. And that's when you go like, all right, that's a funny, that's a funny idea.
1: Right. Yeah. That there's, a, that there's a, uh, uh, you know, a teeny group of, uh, of royalty that is sort of deciding morally, What's going to happen?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That seems really odd. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, people and people always would ask me, like, what's my stance on abortion? And I'd always say, usually it's leaning against the counter waiting for them to run my credit card. But it's not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, and it only sort of of uh, it only came out sort of after the giant explosion of controversy, it comes out. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but over the last 20 years, 50% of abortions are now a pill that you just take.
0: Oh, is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They got, they have a pill that's good through like 12 weeks, a full 50% of abortions now take place that. So now uh, it happened that way. So now there's uh, like, this, there's gonna be this weird mad scramble in the in conservative religious right or whatever's whoever's spearheading this uh like oh man hang on we gotta go after the mail you know right right <laughs> like, where's that gonna lead
0: well they've, they've continue to go after the mail because with that uh, de, de love or what's, uh, what's DeJoy.
1: that DeJoy. de joy the love. 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 Love, love was in the 70s or uh, uh, Funk group.
0: <laughs> he loves. Um, yeah, the the Republicans are all about stopping the mail. Yeah,
1: it just seems as if they would. Here is what frustrates me most about the Republicans: if if they would just do a couple of things they could be in in power forever, but they won't do those things. Yeah. Like show some compassion, support public education. Yeah. That would be one area. Yeah. You know, if they did that, even restructuring it to teach the things that are more in line with their principles, teach finance, teach how to invest, teach how to be personally responsible with your dough or, you yeah. know, okay. Okay. Fine. You know, like get those things in, quit banning books, Quit you know, like if they did two or three things, people will go, hey, they're not half bad, you know, right, <laughs> then, right, right. but no, they, if, they if, can't bring themselves to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and going after, you know, teaching kids, we don't want you teaching our kids what gay is, because what, then your kid is going to touch another boy's penis. If, you're, if your son's touching another boy's penis, guess what? <laughs>
1: yeah you're in an english class at that point you're just learning terminology
0: you're not, it's not about sex <laughs> right right we're just it's just now it's biology you're just learning what you're doing yeah you're right. telling you how to, <laughs> yeah yeah
1: you're learning lexicon at this point now uh you're w- we have some similarity in approach to comedy which is uh For me, probably 90% of whatever's funny about the joke is in the words. The words are carrying a tremendous amount of the weight. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I can throw an eyebrow once in a while or a gesture, but, you know, by and large, it's still, when I'm writing, because I've been writing more, I'm trying to get back on stage a little more, and I'm realizing, oh, you know, it's way too late. I'm just going to embrace this. This is exactly who I am, the words have to be funny or I'm, I'm screwed.
0: <laughs> I get so jealous when I see Theo Vaughn or somebody go up there and just be funny or Joey Diaz. And yeah. And you're just like, Oh man, I just, you know, my words have to carry everything. Cause I have no personality. I'm I mean, assuming I that's what you're saying about us, Like we don't have charisma. We don't have right. that thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> if we did, we, we there would be. We would have at least had three or four failed sitcoms built around us.
0: Exactly. <laughs> we don't
1: even have that.
0: I mean, we have showed up for a long time. Yeah,
1: yeah. I feel and there like
0: are... on the waterfront, <laughs> and you know, and I'm standing there <laughs> waiting to get a ticket.
1: <laughs> right. There's just some people then who also get sort of what I call the PGA exemption card. Who they just for some reason there must be one stat that sticks out to the executives, some like TVQ or something where they go, Well, eventually something has to work with DeLeone. We
0: have to get it down. Right. right. Yeah. Jonathan Jonathan Silverman is going to have a big hit. I'm telling you. I
1: I don't care if we have to try it a 12th time. (laughs) And you just go,
0: really? Yeah.
1: One of those you couldn't slide to a Fitzsimmons Cesario buddy
0: flick thing. Is there anything? No.
1: Yeah. There is not. Now we're yeah.
0: relegated to writing the funny things they say and then yeah. talk about how funny they are. We're the funny ones!
1: <laughs> <not them. laughs> then now, now, when you're writing, do you get, I've seen myself do this and I sort of recognized it from a while back as I'm writing newer stuff. But I'm going, okay, there are, I'm putting things in voices or characters. And then as I get closer to the gig, I go, well, that's not going to (laughs) fly. I can't, I can't really pull that. I can pull it off a little bit, you know, but yeah. Cut that whole bottom paragraph that that's out. Just do the joke and a little turn with a little voice and move on. Do you catch yourself doing that?
0: Yeah. I find it's like, um, you know, writing I, I do find if i open up a word document and i just vomit material out then i feel like okay in there there there's going to be nuggets in there but i can't i can't just write the nuggets i have to ah. i have to get all that other crap out there so that extra paragraph you needed to write that you know right I to, because that's how you yeah. find the next idea and then i feel like it's fifty percent that, and then fifty percent being on stage and smelling the blood of one of those nuggets getting a laugh, and then going okay, and then and then improvising and adding to that,
1: and right, then listen, right? And
0: then listening to the set later, and then uh-huh. writing down the new stuff that I said on stage. It's like 50-50, I think.
1: Right. So you do uh, write on stage uh, if you're getting traction somewhere, then. If the crowd's right, you'll go and see if there's something else there.
0: Yeah, because then when you're on stage, when you're sitting in your office, you're a writer and it's boring and it's painful and it's stuck. <laughs> and then when you're on stage and you're getting a laugh, now it's like you're with your buddies and it's the yeah. most fun thing in the world. But to get invited That's to the party, point. you need to do you need to do that initial writing. Do you ever find yourself, at least on the page
1: getting kind of preachy even though oh yeah neither of us have ever done that on stage or it's been ages since i have and i've learned that uh learned the error of that way quickly but you know it's still sometimes i'll look through like you know as you know you just got a log of material that you start to go through and see if any of it's worth anything and i'll hit a thing where you know it'll just be like these people should mind their business if they would you know and you go.
0: Well, that's not even. (laughs) Yeah, that's not even a joke. What am I? How am I going to do that? There's nothing there. Well, because, like, you know, all you hear today is how comedy is supposed to be transformative and you have to say something. And and I've never been a I've never been a believer in that. And like I remember Seinfeld said one time, nobody in the history of comedy has ever changed their mind based on a joke that they heard. Which yeah. I don't know I don't know if I fully agree with that, but right. it's really not my agenda. But once in a while I land on something that has a point and does say something. And so I think it's important to start there. Like it is important, like for many years I used to read the New York Times every day and then I would start writing my stand up after that. So I might take um, you know, a Maureen Dowd column that had something funny in it, and I might kinda like have fun with that and see if there's anything there. And, and so it tended to be more political back then, but I do think it's important to start, start somewhere that, that, that you, that you want to like the abortion thing. I can sit down and write abortion jokes because it's in my head. It's something I'm feeling. It's something I'm, you know, Christ, I've got a 19 year old daughter and I would hate to think that like, God forbid she got pregnant, that she couldn't get an abortion. Then her life would be, you know, ruined by having a kid at this age without a, you know, with a dopey boyfriend. Don't tell him i said that. He's abortion Maybe. material. I call him abortion.
1: <laughs> exactly. Oh, he, he might just be material. <laughs> you might not have to qualify that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 19 is, is, is a choice age for doing things that you still have the lizard brain of a 12-year-old Um, and and only some of the mechanism of an adult in place. Right. So you still think like, hey, which end of the curling iron is hot? I forget. I'll just grab one end and see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'll follow him around for a while. That's 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So she's dating. How long has she been dating?
0: It was a pandemic relationship that somehow survived. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you, you definitely said that
1: as if you had hoped it had not.
0: I, I just think it, I think it's very hard having a daughter to think anybody could be good enough for your daughter. Yeah. But in this case, he's not. He's just not. There's very few daughters he would be good enough for. So
1: you're, you're giving him a wide berth and he's, he's still clogged the Suez canal with his oil tank. Yeah. Yeah. There's a,
0: there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's too much dead weight that's bogging down the, uh, the, the boat. but, um, but look, you know, she's going to learn. I mean, it's, it's very hard because it's at that age where at 19, you can't micromanage anymore. You have to go to his own defense and sort of like, yeah, let the play develop. And then hopefully at the, in the, uh, you know, we'll look at the tape later to try to learn yeah. by watching the tapes.
1: Sure. You can always call a timeout real fast if you have to. Yeah. If it's getting out of hand.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know how the game is going to end. It's just it's just when, right. when we're going to throw on the towel here.
1: Yeah. Fitzsimmons asked to call a timeout. They've run 11 straight on them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's sponsored by Auto Body Experience. Hover 20 feet above your car repairs. An out-of-body experience. Uh, <laughs> hey, while we're talking sports, New York guy. Um, this is crazy in New York right now. I'm fascinated by this because it hasn't happened in a long time. The Yankees are so far ahead that I actually think the curvature of the earth is coming into play. I, right. don- I don't think you can see them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And the Mets are hanging in there, which for a guy like me looks fantastic. And for Mets fans is just hell. Cause they, they they're waiting for the ax to fall. It seems like, but I, I think they have a good chance of hanging on. Uh,
0: which were you,
1: were you Mets?
0: Well, my father was a, a, a radio announcer on WNEW AM. And so they covered the Mets games and the giants and the Rangers. And so, we would get free tickets to games so even though we're bronx we're, we're a bronx family we we ended up being mets fans and going to all the mets games so back back when they sucked i remember as a, as a kid me and my friend used to tease each other and we'd say like yeah you're you're a fucking mets fan which was, was like the ultimate loser Thing you could say about somebody—they were so bad for so long. Oh yeah! And then I had the pure joy of you know going off to college in '85 and watching them turn into and in Boston. So my father came up. My father was actually really good friends with Rusty Staub, and he used to play golf with like Wally Backman and Keith Hernandez and wow. all these
1: guys. Oh, that's awesome!
0: Yeah. So so he came up to Boston for the World Series Game Four he came up and he had some extra tickets and I I got to bring a friend of mine and, uh, watching him win in 86 was like, probably without a doubt, the sports highlight of my life.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, not expected to, uh, getting, uh, getting beaten, uh, competitive, but the stocks had kind of had their number. And then the whole thing just went
0: down. Yeah. (laughs) And they were bad and they were, they were bad guys, you know? I mean, I don't know. You've seen the documentary, right, about them. They were just yeah doing coke and getting into bar fights the night before day games. Yeah. Getting laid
1: between innings Yeah, is my favorite thing ever.
0: Wait, I thought the, coo-
1: the coolest thing, I, I think uh, Strawberry ah. and Gooden <laughs> were getting laid between innings. Right. And I remember as a kid... The Braves were still in Milwaukee and I went to a game, like the only game I ever saw. We were way out in the right field bleachers, but I could see the home team dugout from the right field bleachers. I could see the Braves dugout, and Aaron hit a homer, rounds the bases. And this is back when he was he was a gazelle. I mean, he was probably 163 if he weighed a pound. I mean, you know, he was nothing. It was all in his wrists. And he he cranks out of home, run, he just does that trot around the base, just touches home base, goes into the dugout, gets you know, shakes hands and everything, goes into the dugout tunnel, and I see him in silhouette, and he just pulls out a cigarette and, <laughs> <laughs> and starts starts pumping away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I, I mean, it was the, one of those, one of those moments, it was unachievable for me athletically, but I went, that's the coolest thing I ha- I've ever seen. I have to try to do that.
0: That's great. Well, my father, um, I used to do, he belonged to a golf club and I got, uh, I got a job at the golf club as a parking attendant. And so one of the days that my dad was playing with Rusty, they came up from the city. And this was in White Plains, so it's about a half hour north of the city. And uh, they came up. Rusty Stop had a a Dodge, Remember those Dodge vans, the, the the club vans that were oh, really yeah. kind of wide and, sure. and had a little sink in it and had a little bar. So, yeah. it, so I parked his car, and, and I remember it was it was uh, Ralph Kiner came up. Remember <laughs> Kinder Oh, Corner? sure, Kiner's Corner. Yeah. So Ralph Kiner comes up with uh, Keith Hernandez and. Uh, and and rusty and they get out and there's and it was the morning It was like a ten o'clock tea time and I get in and there's half drank beers all over the back of the van and I was like this is it this is the fucking life
1: this was in season this was you know oh that's great yeah that is fantastic what what a tremendous uh, period uh, in your youth what an incredible. <laughs> where you just know that you have a pipeline to Mets tickets and Giants tickets and Rangers yeah. tickets, yeah, and not in a like, yeah, my dad can get, just like it. It was just like, oh yeah, we have toast for breakfast and we have Mets tickets. <laughs> it's so great, <laughs> and then to be parking
0: cars.
1: <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, not that you'd want to do it, but there's there's got to be a script. Not that anybody would make a great movie like this anymore, but there's a script in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, And it was uh, I, I think I would have to be a baseball player. I would have to be inspired to play baseball, whereas I saw the van and I was inspired to become an alcoholic.
1: No, that's mo- much more universal.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: where, that's where you get the masses coming to the movies. <laughs> yeah. That's what I used to think, those things driving us. You go, you go oh, you know, now you see me and you go, that has to be a lonely person. But back then you just went, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I have a living room that rolls and, yeah. I, and people can't see what I'm doing in it. Great. I'm in.
0: Yeah. And then uh, when I pulled the van out, um, they, we parked the cars next to each other. And the van was so big that when I went down to pull it up, I pulled out of the spot and the back rear bumper hung out and it grabbed the front bumper of another lady's car and I pulled off both their bumpers because I was like rushing. I wanted to be a good parking attendant and get there fast. And sure. so it got pulled off, not entirely, but it was kind of hanging. And so, of course, the club said, we'll go get it fixed and we'll, we'll pay for it. And so Rusty gave them the bill, and he, and and it included a uh, it included an oil change.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. That was back when you still kind of needed to do that every now and then, even if you're Rusty Staub. It was sure. like, hey, yeah, here's forty bucks I can save. What am I? Why am I not doing this?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pain. Yeah, that's pain. Pain and suffering.
1: So where are you with the Mets? Where's your emotional
0: uh, center right now? I stopped watching baseball after the 86 World Series because I knew it was never going to be that good. Well, there was a strike. There was a strike not long after that. That's
1: insight, my friend. That is great insight to go. I know right now it's not getting better. I will never watch sport again.
0: Right, right. It's like having great sex with a girl in a one-night stand and then saying, nice to meet you. Take care. Have a good life. It'll never be that good again. Um, no, I really, I think there was a baseball strike not long after the 86 World Series. And the Mets also traded away a lot of the good players. Right, and I right. Just, and I just kind of went, nah, I'm out.
1: So now what's your favorite thing on center i got my wife into the top 10 the top 10 plays of the day of
0: course yeah the so now 10. she
1: loves it we watch it but we are both uh equally adamant that no lacrosse highlights should be in the top 10 highlights it's true because you cannot t- you have to watch the net a hundred percent of the time yeah. to know if somebody scored and i mean the back of the net you can't watch the action Yeah, you have to watch the back of the net. And then when it does that, you go, okay, somebody scored.
0: Yeah. Why are they doing it? I don't know. But it's like I've watched games and I think, is this a drill? Is this (laughs) practice where you stand around and just whip the ball at the guy? There's yeah. no mid. There's no midfield action at all. Nothing happens in the middle of the field. Right.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like bees with only two flowers in the lawn. They're just there or they're there.
0: Yeah. Right. Right.
1: Right. It, and it it looks like it looks like a practice on another level. I don't think anyone's wearing a uniform that matches even forty percent of anyone else's gear. <laughs> the, the helmets are all yeah. different, and one guy has shorts on, and another yeah. person does. I don't, I don't get the whole sport. It's got to be, and you've been enough at it, Bays, and produced a segment, produced enough stuff to know. Okay, this is just some asshole on the production staff who goes, you know, lacrosse is one of the greatest games ever. Yeah, it just keeps throwing fucking right, lacrosse right, right. highlights in, and then they, then they have to select them.
0: Yeah, he's got a bandana on his head. There's fish playing in the background on an eight track. He's got a golden retriever that's also got a bandana on. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) He's getting ready to play Ultimate Frisbee after the editing session. (laughs) Sure. No, but, you know, it's uh, originally it was, um, you know, a a native uh, indigenous people sport. And, and we it, we
1: hijack that and turn it into but something worth. They, they got
0: to go back to the original rules, which is the playing field was like a square mile, and you had like a hundred guys on each team. And I think the losers had to kill themselves. I think we got to get the old rules <laughs> so, back. That sure. I
1: will watch. Sure, let's go old school. People like you. Hey, let's go back. Everybody wants to go back in time because things were better then. Yeah, let's go back. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? Uh do you listen to sports radio? I don't, no. So you don't care what kind of radio do you listen to? Because I will once in a while I enjoy Colin Coward's show because yes. I think he brings it pretty consistently to uh to an underlying motivation that's more human than sport. And that I like, regardless of what he's talking about, he winds up bringing it to something that feels a little more human than than it is about sports. Right. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of shouting going on. Yeah. A lot of shouting that seems to be one of the number one things in sports radio right now is shouting, which I can understand why you wouldn't watch it. What do you listen to? What do you like?
0: Uh, well, yesterday was Sunday, so I get up, and I put on 88.5, and they have the, the Bob Dylan radio hours, where it's a, it's a three-hour show, and it's all thematic, and this woman, I forget the woman's name, she's amazing, and she does, like yesterday, it was heat waves, because of the heat waves, and so it was all about hot, Bob Dylan's song's about heat, and, uh, and that's amazing, I
1: love that. Um, well, listen, if you want to get those kids out of that house, blast that full.
0: Exactly.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> my big rabbit. What's wrong with your dad? <laughs> why why is there a stroke victim on the radio? <laughs> so you
1: like eclectic. You like to get into the hipster corners of radio. Uh
0: eighty eight point five is a great local station. I mean, and then uh, on digital radio, I listen to fuV which is the indie station in New York out of Fordham University that's a great indie station um, and then I listen to Stern a lot I still listen to a lot of Stern. yeah um, I just- well he's still hitting the ball
1: so hard yeah yeah Wow it's amazing to me that he's not recognized on some levels although I don't think he pushes it but He's just a great comedian. It's a different set of clubs, maybe in some respects a little bit different sport. But when you look at what he does, I've always looked at it. So I've never understood comics who have a problem with him. Uh, You know, because you just go, "Oh, it's he's doing a bit. This is how he gets into it. He acts aggravated. Then he does this. Now he's got other participants in the bit, so he can lay back." Because that's a genius of his, right. which is sh- is so beyond anything I could do as a human being. I don't want to talk to people, let alone somehow figure out a way to get an alchemy going, where if you're listening to the show, you go, I think that's a full 40 minutes. I haven't even heard Howard say anything. It's yeah. been all Sal and Richard and whatever, you know, some r- weird problem is 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 bubbling up like a volcano. It's it's incredible.
0: Yeah, I've always said like a big part of his gift is that he's PT Barnum. You know, the whole whack yeah. thing. He knows he knows what human beings will be compelled by, what weirdos are gonna make people listen. And he brings them yeah. in. And then he knows how to treat them with just enough dignity that they will call <laughs> in and sit on hold for three hours to talk <laughs> 30 seconds. And and but just enough insult to make it funny.
1: Yeah, and then that's the the step for his parents right now. Yeah, is is heart wrenching and hilarious. Yeah, which which is the requirement I believe for hosting the special George Carlin (laughs) episode. Whatever you know, I mean, or the comedy. Award, just I mean, you look at that and you go, how do you not see that and hear that and go, well, there's, there's nobody in the country, nobody in the country, Chappelle included, who can do that right
0: now. Yeah, right, right, right.
1: Amazing to me, stunning.
0: Yeah, it takes a, a combination of, um, I guess, maturity and immaturity, you know, like he still doesn't let go of the silliness. Yeah. And and the, and the 13 year old boy with a slingshot in his back pocket, looking for a peephole in a girl's shower, like the excitement of that mixed with the guy who is a Jewish mensch from Long Island, who genuinely cares about people and cares about family. And he, and, and so he, he's always had that, that dichotomy going, you know, I think, yeah. One of the challenges of his career has been when he got divorced because so much of being married to his first wife gave him a free pass to have, like, you know, the bikini contest right. and finding the Sibian and all that stuff. Because so he went, Yeah, but he's a good guy. He's got a wife at home. And then he right. had that period before he met Beth where he was just a single guy. And it felt a little creepy for a minute.
1: Yeah. And I think it even felt creepy to, to, to Howard. I mean, you know, on one level, it was like, I I think there was a part of him that went, all right, I did it. Like, what'd we go out? Two nights in the last couple of months. I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got enough of that. (laughs) And it's so funny because like the, his shtick was so much that he was married and he wishes he could be, Oh God, I would love to have sex with you. And, and then when he finally got the chance, he was like, nah, I need another wife. I need to be monogamous." <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that was uh, that was pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, that turnaround was pretty fast. That was that. Yeah, that was that was one of those where he just the second he got into the gray area, it was like, "Well, I'm back to black. This yeah. is this is better. Yeah. This is better." Yeah. yeah, right. Which which you got to respect. All right, my friend, Uh, we're out of time. This was incredible. We talked one sporting thing. That's all I need. Hi, guys. Uh, That portion of the broadcast sponsored by uh, Cramden Yards, where every home run goes right to the moon, Alice, and Handelabra, the world's fanciest doorknob. Uh, So when can we hear your podcast? First of all, folks, uh, uh, follow Greg on Twitter, at uh, Greg Fitt Show. And uh, how do we find the podcast? What's cooking? Because I know you have uh, a
0: couple. My podcast Radio. comes out on Tuesdays. And uh, and then on Sundays, I do a thing called Sunday Papers with Mike Gibbons, who you know. The, yeah,
1: the great Mike the mystical Mike Gibbons.
0: And we do uh, stuff <laughs> from the news. And then on uh, Wednesdays, I do Childish with Allison Rosen, where we talk about child stuff. Um, also get some stand-up dates. I'll be in uh, Algonquit, Maine on August 11th at Jonathan's. And then Manchester, New Hampshire on August 12th and 13th. Go to fitzdog.com for tickets.
1: Fitzdog.com for all your uh, Greg Fitzsimmons needs. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Now get back and uh, finish making breakfast for those kids because I know they're not doing it for themselves.
0: Oh, they haven't gotten up yet. No, they're not up yet. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thanks for coming on, man. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Real Jeff Cesario. My album, What Was I Thinking? Streaming everywhere. Play with pain mugs. Available at jeffcesario.com. That's Chet on one side. Play with pain on the other side. And uh, check me out. I'll be doing some stand-up comedy magic club, hopefully this Saturday. And Go to jeffcesario.com. Knock on wood. I'll have some fall dates soon. Uh, Chet, what do you got cooking this weekend? This weekend, I'll be in Wrong Bay, Saskatchewan. For the water skiing speed championships last year's winner the late fireball dwyer will not defend sponsored by oh slacker barrel come on in and eat or not we don't really care this is chat waterhouse reminding you to
0: play with pain